As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. That's two wins from two attempts now by Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea side, which, if you believe in omens, might not be a good thing ahead of the Champions League final. They do say that bad luck comes in threes. However, neither of those Chelsea wins were against City's expected 11 for that final. This is the Athletics Manchester City podcast, Why Always Us, and never has that title felt quite so apt as this week. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into the, uh, the, the, the selection on, uh, on these Chelsea games this week. Uh, you can subscribe to The Athletic right now for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price. You'll get access to great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as the ad-free versions of all the podcasts as well. So just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to get the 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Uh, so Sam, I said in the introduction... Uh, um, that uh, Tuchel's won two of two now against uh, Guardiola City while he's been Chelsea boss. Um, it, it is only fair to point out in that kind of context that neither of the teams that he's faced have been the same team that will play against them in the final, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what? I think if we're going to get right to the to the meat of this, Guardiola's logic will be so. Because, and we'll probably do this step by step because there's quite a lot to get through. But I think... For all that we could sit here and say, should have done this, should have done that, and whatever. And there's a lot of podcasts for that. There's a lot of articles that have done that. Like The article I did on it, having found out before the game his logic for picking that team, is he didn't want the, basically, who will start the Champions League final to play the game and win, lose, or draw they would have ideas in their head about how the game would go, whether they were scared about losing again, whether they'd be overconfident or even complacent because, you know, if the strongest team had beaten Chelsea at the weekend, then they'd have won the title and Guardiola would have been worried that um, they'd be overconfident. So he just thought, well, some of them need a rest anyway. Don't really want to get anybody coming in with any ideas. We want to go in, clear minds and approach the final like it deserves to be approached, really. Um, and that's more or less, like I say, along with rest, why he did it. And, you know, over the next half an hour or so, we'll, we'll pick the bones out of that and whether but, it was the right decision and if it made sense and whatever. Uh, I, th- there is that. But there's also, I mean, if City had won the title on Saturday with their strongest side, that, mm. that's a huge kind of punt of momentum, isn't it? 
Possibly. You can Possibly. see why you can see why a lot of fans have been quite angry about the side that he picked and the performance in the end. Yeah, well there's a lot of thing about momentum and confidence boost. And I I think this is one of those things where this is the narrative we've been given forever. Like there can be no other way to look at it than Chelsea have now got the upper hand because they've got the confidence boost and City haven't because, you know, they'd be worried. But like you said, right at the top, different team, doesn't matter. As I tweeted on Sunday, like, Mendy's not going to be playing left back. Guardiola said after the game, when Chelsea equalised, he said we didn't, we didn't control the game so well because the, mid, the players we had in midfield didn't have that specific quality. And the players they had in midfield were Sterling and Torres. Like, and the players they normally have are Gunderwin and Bernardo Silva or De Bruyne. It's people who can keep the ball and know what to do. And we, how many times have we talked about whether it's the, the two Dortmund games or the two PSG games, not losing their heads when they concede a goal. The whole season's been built around that, particularly in the Champions League. And like he, re- he replaced those players with Sterling and Torres. So now, yeah, the argument which we'll probably go over later on is... Why would you pick that team then? If you no, it's, it's a stupid team. There was no midfield, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it goes back to just didn't want some of them couldn't because of because you know they were tired. But just didn't want the first team, shall we call it, to have any kind of conflicting ideas. And yeah, to go back to the confidence boost. Okay, so the idea now is Chelsea have got confidence and momentum, which yeah, it's easy to understand. Um, the game's in three weeks. For argument's sake. Chelsea could lose the FA Cup final next week. They could drop out of the top four. And then where's the confidence gone there? Yeah. I mean, the, the, and, but I mean, look, that could work both ways. Maybe City lose a title. They're not going to. But maybe, you know, maybe it works both ways and City lose their confidence as well. But the game's three weeks, again, three weeks away. And you know what? The, the, probably the best approach to this podcast this weekend was not to bother. Let City win the title in the next two, three, four, five days. And then get that out of the way and then we'll just carry on talking about the Champions League final because ultimately no one's going to talk about this game when the Champions League final whistle is blown nobody's going to remember what happened nobody's going to care it's going to be what happened in the 90 minutes you know last week PSG what before both games against PSG PSG played like 24 hours before City I think and then you think oh yeah they've got the extra day to recover but win, lose or draw nobody ever remembers the build up or anything like that Yeah, like, you only might get it if there's injuries but even without Mbappe playing the other night there was no real, oh, well, if Mbappe played, it would have been different. It's just what happens in the 90 minutes. No one's going to remember what happened. And also, because it's massively irrelevant, the players are completely different. There's going to be no, there's no confidence damage against City. Maybe Chelsea have got a confidence boost. Maybe they have. But Guardiola's ploy, and look, maybe we can talk about him overthinking a Champions <laughs> League final three weeks before it kicks off. But he just wanted his players to go in with clean heads. Yeah, fresh like, minds. Yeah, and like... So on Friday, I did a podcast and I hadn't thought about it, but I was asked, it was like, oh, do you think there's an opportunity for City to get a psychological boost? And I was like, I was like, you, you know what? Now I think about it. No, because I was like, if City were to win, I can just imagine Guardiola like just bending over backwards in the next two to three weeks to say, don't you dare think that it's going to be easy in the final. And I was actually saying he's going to have to like, if, if they did play a strong team and win, he was trying to erase that feeling just to try and get rid of the complacency. Um, so that was Friday. But then I thought he'll play a strong team anyway. So I was in the Q&A on The Athletic on, on Saturday morning and everyone was like, is it going to be a strong team or is it going to change? I was like, I'd be a strong team. Like He said in the press conference, you know, the calendar's more forgiving now. There'll be a couple of changes because of rest. But, you know, I was thinking it'd be something like the Spurs 11, you know, where it's basically going to be the strongest team, but, you know, Laporte might play, Sterling might play. Yeah. 
Um, and then somebody told me I was really wrong about three hours before kickoff. I was like, oh, fuck's sake, right, okay. Um, so I wasn't expecting that amount of changes. But I think, didn't I say in the week, I was like, just do something mad. I'll just play Edison in goal. Like, yeah. so play, play Edison in midfield so they can't see the tactics. But I did, didn't I say as well, like, that that doesn't really hold any water because Tuchel will just, he'll just check the, the, the tapes from the Champions League games and go, wow, they're going to play like this. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I'm i not, I, the more I thought about that, I, I really agreed with that. And I, I love the idea of sticking Edison up front and just messing with, with Tuchel's head. But then the, the more I thought about it was just like, well, he's going to, he's, he's not, his research is not going to be confined to the 90 minutes on Saturday. It's going to, it's yeah. like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to, to be fair, to be fair, you know, I think, again, I think we might have mentioned this after City had made the final, but um, when we were talking about PSG in the corners, do you know when we said how from the first leg, the lived experience of the City players from dealing with those corners, you know, you can tell them before the game was going to happen, but it's better to actually experience it. And I was like, maybe they'll be better in the second leg because, you know, Gundogan will be stronger and not, you know, try and block the run better from whoever it might be. I mean, there, there's maybe an element of that as well. You know, Chelsea, you know, T- Thomas Tuchel can now tell Chelsea... Oh yeah, be careful of De Bruyne when he makes this run, and you know when Gundogan comes short, be careful of Foden going the other way, and like he can tell them that. But there is an element of they've not actually experienced it, and the last time they did was obviously under Lampard, and it didn't go that well. But I don't think that Lampard game means too much, and I don't actually think the two Tuchel games mean that much either, just because the side's so different. And and I know like this, the reaction to the article looks like you know I'm not downplaying Chelsea's win at all. I'm just saying, in terms of the, the Champions League final, I don't think it makes too big a difference. And if people don't get on board with that because of the idea that Chelsea will have a big confidence boost, I can understand that because that's the narrative we've been given for however long we've been watching football. But how many times does Guardiola do things that we would never think of? Ever. And it works. Yeah. Like how many times have we discussed his use of substitutions? And how many injuries have he had this season? Like, yeah. <laughs> and like, and people, people are still fit. You know, he keeps... He keeps rotating the team and he keeps doing it in a certain way and the players are still fit. They dropped one competition. They lost in the FA Cup semi-final. Okay, fine. 20, 48 hours after getting through against Dortmund. It happens. Yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't the it wasn't the greatest performance and a bit annoyingly I suppose the the approach of Palace with similar players, they looked better protected at the back. I know Palace aren't as good as Chelsea, but they had a better shape and it was a shape that suited them better. And maybe Guardiola did them make the mistake in the sense that he picked those players for the Chelsea game and he maybe he maybe could have put them in a better shape. But look, that's the FA Cup. It has no bearing on the Champions League. And yeah, the the reaction to the article from maybe Chelsea fans and neutrals and stuff was just that it's the excuse making. But like I say, you know, the the um the justification for the team, well, not even the justification, the reasoning for the lineup was I found out before kickoff. And I was going to, well, even when City were winning 1 0, I was speaking to my boss and said, Look, if City win 1 0, we'll obviously do all the, the title stuff that we've got planned. But I'll write about why Guardiola picked this team yeah. on like Wednesday or something, because it's all Champions League build up, isn't it? It's, this is his approach to, you know, this is his like preparations for the final and it is keeping the, the big players fresh like mentally and physically so just so yeah that's that was it just a question on on that and i like i i'm trying to kind of formulate this as we go along so forgive me if it if it kind of loses the loses the direction of where we're going but i mean listeners know that we do that anyway um 
the way that this season has panned out and the fact that uh, it is kind of, it's pandemic era football. It's behind closed doors. It's, you know, keeping players in bubbles and you're making sure that, that everything is, is safe and sanitised. And, you know, the, the whole process of actually going through the game is that laborious kind of making sure everything is safe before the game sort of thing. There's the social distancing element. There's all, there's, there's all that that's kind of built into this season. And the fact that City have got further in the Champions League than they've ever got before, they've made the final, they won the Carabao Cup, they're on the brink of winning the Premier League, and they almost made the FA Cup final. It was Is it a case of the fact that, that City's league performance this season, when you compare it to the way they've blown the league away previously under Guardiola when they've won the title... Do they? Does it have to be like that this season? Because of of, of effectively, City City are going to play this season. They're going to play every possible game apart from one, the FA Cup final. Yeah. It, does it have to be like that to, to to be able to do that at this level? It has, it has to be. It has to be. And this is what I was talking about after. Again, I don't want to. I don't know why I'm dwelling on the FA Cup semi final, but like all the reasons that people were putting forward of you should have done this, you should have picked this kind of team, you should have been you know stronger. You know, love the kind of thing I said about what they did with the Spurs game. And I was like, but. If you think that's obvious, then Guardiola would have thought it was obvious as well. And like, it just must not have been possible. Like, the rest period, you know, 48 hours, got back on Thursday, traveled down to London on Friday, had the COVID test on the Friday, had to wait for the results on the Saturday, all this kind of mad stuff for the build up. Like, it obviously just wasn't viable. And maybe, not, maybe that's wrong. But I, like, I don't think anybody else other than City could have a season like this. Um, no, yeah, I think I stand by that because yeah. of the size of the squad, but not because it's massive, just because the players are well-managed. Like, like, I think I must have made this point before, but everyone talks about the City having a big squad. It's got a well-managed squad. Like, if other... I'm using United again. I can't remember if I've said that on this podcast, but like, if Tellez was used better, then Tellez could play more matches. One Matter could play more matches. Um, Cavani's obviously coming in now. Um I'm, t- I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of who else. Van der Beek, Donny Van der Beek, Jesse Lingard. If these players were managed better, people would talk about United having a big squad. But they've not. They've just been left on the bench. Solskjaer plays the same eleven more or less every week, and then the others fall by the wayside, and then and they then, come in. And then is it and any wonder that they can't keep up with City? Yeah, exactly. So like, only City could have this season because they're managed in such a way, and there's, the squad has got enough quality players in it. So it's just that, that perfect match. Um, and yeah, I think it has to be like this. And again, like if Guardiola like if Guardiola could play a strong team, then he would have. Um, the, I mean, the only element where that changes is I th- he would have against Leeds, he would have against, um, against Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final. I think he would have yesterday if they were playing Real Madrid in the final. Yeah, but because that's... it's Chelsea, it's just the whole thing about going in and no complacency or whatever kind of emotions from the game. It's just, you have a rest, lads, and we'll take it from there. And um, the big element to it is, I, I suppose, another, we could talk for another 20 minutes on you know the, the relative merits of this, this second team, the size of the squad, because I've heard some strange opinions about how it means City have got no strength and depth, which I just completely disagree with for so many reasons. Firstly, because... Well, I don't even know what first he is. I've got so many points and I think they're all, all equal weight in. But and they nearly beat Chelsea, who everyone's now worried about losing to in the final. Nearly beat them with Sterling and Torres in midfield. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There was a part of just after full time in that game on Saturday. Um, I actually I, I thought of you and I thought of uh, Johnny Smith because I remember us three doing a Blue Moon podcast after... Um, City could have won the title against United in 2018, uh, but he rotated the side and um, they lost that 2-0 lead. They were, t- they were 2-0 up at half-time and lost lost yeah, it in the, yeah. in the second half. I think everyone remembers, mate, don't worry. Yeah, I, yeah I'm just, just setting the scene. Um, and the argument that, that seemed to develop from that game was, well, if Guardiola had played a stronger team, City would have seen the game out and would have, would have won the title at the earliest point against United. But ultimately... They were 2-0 up at half-time. They'd missed a whole host of chances. And yeah. they... Was it Sterling? I think it, it was Sterling. Yeah, Sterling. Um, Sterling I think Sterling or Gundogan hit the crossbar. Did Gundogan uh, miss after, another one? Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah, scored, but yeah. Just after half-time. And you're thinking, look, if, if you don't bury these chances, they, they're going to come back and bite it. And they did. Yeah. That said, on Saturday, had Aguero not dicked about with the penalty, and had they got the penalty at the end and scored it, you know, miracles do happen sometimes. Um then we wouldn't be talking today about whether yeah. the selection pro because they'd have just won the game. He'd have rotated the side and they'd have won the game. So that team was clearly good enough to win that game. It just so happens on the day it didn't happen. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a bit all over the place here because to add to my little timeline of events, Saturday when I saw what the team was, I thought that is a lot of changes. I was getting my accreditation at City and I was speaking to one of the people there. And then I was being busy today. I was like, I thought it's the same same kind of amount of people allowed in the stadium all the time. And she was like, yeah, but, you know, could win the title. There's more people around and stuff. And it was obvious they must have had some kind of fireworks or something going on, like planned, as you can imagine. And I was like, and having seen that team, I was like, don't worry, they won't need them today. <laughs> I, I, I had I had no, I, I, to, be, to be fair, I had no confidence in that that team would beat Chelsea. But then as the game went on, and I know a lot of people were saying, oh, this is a crap game, it's really dull. Um, but I was like, it's better than I expected. And I was like, I think City are probably the favourites to score the first goal, but, you know, Chelsea might score on the break if they get that right. But it's not going terribly. Um, and, so, I mean, and then to the to the point, that probably brings us to the point of this shows City's lack of depth. No, it shows the strength in depth. How many teams can play a full... Okay, it's not a full 11, but nine changes from the team that gets to the Champions League final. Play a good game with players out of position. Could nearly have won. Like should have won, whatever you want to call it. A draw, a draw would have been fine against Chelsea. They they hadn't scored the winner, or the penalty had been given and they missed it. Whatever. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a performance that deserves a defeat. I don't think it happened. Fine. Like the the point of strength in a squad is for like the Carabao Cup final, where you can rest. Well, you can play the season without a striker. Like basically, like you can you can play the season without having a. Uh, the client, the classic left back they obviously wanted in 2017. It's it's being able to go. Okay, you're not fit today, so we'll put Laporte in. Great, we'll put um, Sterling in on the left. Fine. 
Um, Fernandinho can come in in the semi-final instead of Rodri, who's played all season. That's a strong squad. Nathan Ake, you can come and play. That's fine. Like There is so much depth in that squad. It's incredible. That's what the point of a, of a squad is. I, the, I think, fact that they've, the fact that they're playing basically two different 11s, because let's say, who would the changes have been? Um, Diaz would have had to come out for somebody. Um, but Stefan, say Stefan in goal. So they could have made 10 changes. Two completely different 11s. And then to have that team play against a Chelsea team with admittedly a few changes, but a very good Chelsea team and play well enough. Like with no rhythm because they're all thrown in together. They're all spare parts effectively. They're spare parts that can contribute to a very like smooth running machine that is, you know, Foden, Mahrez, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Bernardo. That team... You drop a couple of players into it, fine. But when you pick a whole bunch of spare parts, very good spare parts, but I'm calling them spare parts because there's no rhythm. There's no there's no real form there. They're coming in to play with each other and they're kind of feeling their way through it. When you chuck the players together like that, no matter who they are, like whether this is United, whenever they had, you know, whenever United were the best team in the country, but they'd throw a team together for the FA Cup or league cup or whatever it would always be different and of course it would even though they were kind of good players by name it's just different and it's the same with any team in the world so I, I don't get this idea that City lacked depth at all like the fact that they could put out that team like it was only a week ago they beat Palace away yeah. in the game well, that I, people were worrying about like you, you, that's incredible depth and that's the, why they win the Carabao Cup four years in a row. Sorry. The, the, the thing is, is that it's the discourse that, that kind of comes around the, the idea of A and B, to, B team. And I don't think, this is this, what I'm saying is City don't have an A and a B team. There is a, the, the way that the, the selection was talked about on uh, Saturday was that these were, these were City's backup players and they were all thrown in together. And the reason why they're the backup players at the moment is because they've just been out of form. That's it. Sterling, for me, like, for me, I, I, I find it, it absolutely blows my mind that Raheem Sterling is currently not in City's best 11 so to speak because for so long he was the name on the on the team sheet that was the go-to if that, you know yeah, yeah. those those two seasons where Guardiola stormed the league if Sterling wasn't in the team that what I'd be saying to my friends they're going to struggle today because he offers yeah, no so much creativity no yeah. vibrancy yeah yeah and yet here we are now where you know he gets on the ball and he can't make things happen and he's it's it's just it's just not working for him at the moment yeah, he's yeah. not become a bad player a B team player he's just out of form and that's that's kind of where we're at and I I, I was kind of thinking of I sorry to switch sports everybody immediately but I uh, I watched the snooker final um on Monday and um, Mark Selby was putting together a, a, a run of frames where he just did not let Sean Murphy get out of his chair for a while. And then there were times where Sean Murphy would come to the table with a, a fairly you know easy pot on for a professional snooker player, and he'd just muck it up. And the commentators were saying that's because his arm's cold. He's not he's not got his eye in for that. And that's where these City players are at the moment. That's where the players are in this in this in this so-called B team are right now. Um, and so they're they're not they're, they're being picked, and it, we've kind of fallen into this situation where they're being picked every other week because Guardiola's got his team that is that that is in form that he wants to protect so much for these key games that they're not able to kind of get any sort of momentum together in these other games. And then, like you say, they run Chelsea so close that that actually you think, well, maybe it isn't all that bad, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've, I feel bad slash stupid because I probably said after the what the. The League Cup semi, uh, the FA Cup semi final. He's not going to play this team again, but obviously he has for the specific reason. He won't do it against was... Newcastle, will he? That's the thing. Well, I mean, look, 
I was I thought he was going to play a strong team against Chelsea, but no, I I think he'll play a strong team against Newcastle anyway, even if the title's been won before then, which pro- probably will be, or a good chance it will be, or they'll only need a point or whatever. Um, I think so. And then obviously there's four or five days break to Brighton. So I'm, I'm probably expecting something like the spurs Carabao Cup team in, in these kind of last games, in terms of it being strong, but you give players a bit of a rest here or there. Or maybe Everton in front of fans, it will be it will be the full team. And as long as, you know, Guardiola feels there there's there's no danger of injury. And then they you know, they'll they'll have a bit of rhythm for the Chelsea game. I also um, think I, I do also think actually, come to think of it, it would be suicide to rest the players that you want to play in the final from now until the final. Because they they would suddenly okay, be out they'd, they'd be out they'd be out of rhythm and they'd be out of practice. Yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible. And that's why like that Everton game, if they didn't play, um then it would have been more than ten days since the Brighton game in the final. So yeah, it would be strong teams from from now to the end of the season. Um, the only, I mean, I'm worried now that I've not articulated it brilliantly, but um, at like at, at no point am I saying he wanted to lose. I don't know point. At no point am I saying is he happy to lose. I didn't. I didn't think in the article, and certainly on this podcast, I needed to explain that too much because look at his reaction. Like genuinely, I'm surprised he didn't get sent off when they didn't get the pen because he was going mental. And like that stirred up a bit of animosity, actually. So in terms of stuff for the final, like the Chelsea backroom team, they weren't very happy with City's backroom team. And then somebody shouted to Guardiola, "Shut up!" when he was when he was complaining about the penalty. Um, and I'm I'm surprised he didn't get sent off or booked or something. Because he was going mental. So it's obvious they wanted to win. It's obvious they really pissed off that they didn't win. And it's not that it doesn't matter that they didn't win because it does matter to them. But in terms of the league, it doesn't matter because they're going to win the league anyway. And then the other element is yeah. He's not. I'm not saying that they wanted to go in and lose the game as part of some great master plan. He wanted to win the game, but he wanted to win the game with that group of players, and he wanted the other group of players who are actually going to play the final not to have the burden of whatever happened before, whether it was what we would say positive or negative. Yeah. So yeah, like he obviously wanted to win it, and and yeah, like it's it's weird because obviously I've seen a lot of like mates and people I follow on Twitter saying, "Oh, it was a stupid team," and you know he's got no midfield and stuff. But it's like I like I know. The reason was he wanted to keep out all of these players. So then he's got these players. And that was basically the only thing he could get out of them. So now maybe you say, okay, maybe Doyle could have played in midfield instead of getting Sterling and Torres to drop back in. Because look, they, I keep saying they played in midfield. They weren't always in midfield, but they were the ones dropping in and helping out. And I thought it worked quite well to cause Chelsea a few problems. Not hugely well, and I wouldn't say it'll happen in the final, but it was all right in terms of like a kind of, I don't know, it's like making a cake out of whatever ingredients you've got in the cupboard. It might not taste great, but it'll do the job. You know, you're hoping it'll do the job. <laughs> and that's basically what it was. But it's like, yeah, well, he's chosen not to use these players for the final for this reason. And okay, we we might not understand it, but certainly from my point of view, who am I to argue? And yeah, the other players, he threw them all together. And yeah, maybe we could argue, maybe Doyle or Palmer should have played as number eights instead of Sterling and Torres or whatever. But again the way Guardiola manages this squad and I go back to an obscure game but Brighton right at the start of last season which feels like forever ago but it was when City were 3-0 up and everyone wanted Foden to come on and he brought on Bernardo and Bernardo scored straight away and everyone was really pissed off that he didn't bring Foden on it was the latest oh god he doesn't give this guy chances or whatever but the logic behind bringing Bernardo on then was Bernardo was the main man in 2018-19 he didn't play too many games at the start of the season and he needed to keep his confidence up by playing him and if you play a young lad over him then you've got another ego to manage and, you know, arguably more important at that stage. Well, no, more important at that stage than a youngster's ego and an ego of a star player. So 
that's kind of that's it would never have entered his head to play one of the young kids anyway. But if yeah. anyone was advocating for that, again, you could probably just say, oh, whatever, you know, Sterling and Torres would have to deal deal with it or whatever. But what Guardiola would have been thinking was, if I don't play these guys and I play two kids, I've got another problem here. So and I, I know another element of the article and another element of this podcast is, somebody said on the article, oh, you know, has this been written by the city coaching staff? And I was like, well, that's almost the point, really. Like this isn't, this is not really my opinion. This is what they did, and I think that's more valuable than me saying, "Oh, they should have played so and so, or they should have won the game." Like, what what Guardiola actually decided is infinite more value than what I think. Um, but then, in fairness, having learned what his logic was, again, who am I to argue? Like, and you might have a situation there where I don't know, like what's the point in having a correspondent or a journalist that never kind of holds somebody to account? But like, when is Guardiola? How many it's... times How many times do you have to? Like, so Leon, Leon last season, I was like, I still felt a bit like, well, you know, he's probably, he's picked that team to to counteract their strengths and give City a good chance of winning the game. And yeah, Sterling's missing a couple of chances, blah, blah, blah. But I did think it was too more, you know, too far in that sense. And I was critical then. But like, like the Leeds game, like we said, he's resting the players for Dortmund. They went and beat Dortmund. Fine. It doesn't matter if they lose to Leeds because they've got such a big lead. And they've still, it's a month later, they've still got a 10 point lead over United. They're still going to win the league. I do it's also like, find what that is it's... the point in criticizing him? Like, what is the point? Because he knows what he, like, he knows what he's doing. He knows more than I do. He knows more than you do. Whoever you are listening to this, literally, whoever you are listening to this, he knows more than you do. He knows more. He knows more than all of us. I put us all in the same bracket. So, what's the point? Like, and the best thing would have been not to do a podcast this weekend because it ultimately, like, going down this route of, oh, he did it because of this, he did it because of this, and all the arguments it brings and people thinking, oh, he's saying they wanted to lose on purpose and he's making excuses for them and he doesn't criticise them. And, you know, why did he do that? He's overthinking it. Like, I've, I've written it and I've talked about it because it's a very interesting approach. I've never heard of that approach before in football. I'm sure it's been done. I know people get triggered when you kind of suggest that Guardiola comes up with things. I'm sure it's been done before to avoid any kind of overconfidence. But it's very interesting that a manager would pick a team. Again, it's countercultural, isn't it? It's not what we're used to. So it's, I think it's a very good talking point and it's infinitely more valuable than me saying they should have picked a strong team or won the league and blah, blah, blah. It's, I also um, find it but, very hard to criticise a man who is possibly going to walk away this season with all but one trophy again. Well, exactly, and this is what I mean. So we're talking about it now, but in yeah. three or four days, City will be champions. And then if they win the Champions League or if they don't, like, we won't even be talking about this anyway. Like, it's... It's just like, yeah, get this weekend out of the way. And look, I was saying it's much better to win the Premier League on your own terms. I wanted City to win it against Chelsea this weekend rather than rely on Liverpool beating United last weekend. It's better to do it in front of, well, in front of your own fans, but when it's in, <laughs> in your own control, it's just better. The final whistle goes, you celebrate, the fireworks go off and, and whatever. It's that That's the best way of doing it. But I mean, even so... It's like, there is an even bigger picture this year, isn't there? Like, and look, maybe maybe it comes down to to Friday night and they have to beat Newcastle. I doubt it, but may, I don't know. Maybe United only draw one of their games against Leicester, because the other element of this is, and a lot of the anger. Right, look. So, if we're going to address the anger, I get it completely. Like, I'm not a City fan. You know this. My boss isn't a City fan, which nobody knows, I guess. But we were both pissed off. Because from our point of view, City win the league. Like we say, it's better for in in our view for City to win it. And also in terms of like content, I guess Saturday night, your team's just won. Can't really go anywhere at this point. 
through beer gardens to be fair but you can read the article you can go right here's the article rather than go oh united have lost to leicester here's the article you know we wanted city to win so we were a bit pissed off we get it and like when aguero missed that penalty it was the classic kind of like you said earlier about the united game like if you don't take these chances and everyone feared the worst because football fans do and maybe city fans fear it more than more than most so i get the anger element i get the anger with aguero missing that penalty but he should never have had to apologise on Twitter. That was like, it's, it's not that deep, mate. Don't worry. Like, it's it's not that big of an issue. Like, if they if it had, had been a bigger game in terms of, you know, City lose that and then United go top, then God, maybe. But it's not that big a deal. So, but I get the anger. I get the frustration. I really, really do. And th- But then the other part of it is, and this hasn't been too pronounced, really, but there's been a bit of, oh, you know, United must, United have got three games in five days. Like if City had three games in five days, just think about it. With this, even with this rotated team, which is better than a United rotated team, City fans would definitely be thinking worst case scenario, probably going to drop points in one of those games because they're just going to be too knackered, too many changes. It's a ridiculous situation, which it is. And that, but all of a sudden, because it's United, people are thinking, oh, United are going to win all three games, which is just so unlikely. And like we know that United, when they rotate the team, which they don't do too much for a reason, the reason being. They're not very good. And and Solskjaer's already said he might play some kind of reserve team, which I guess he probably won't. But I've got no confidence in United to win those three games. But if they do, so you only need to beat one of Newcastle, Brighton or Everton in front of their own fans. You're telling me they're not going to do it? Like there's, There is a mathematical possibility that United can win the league. But there's also a mathematical possibility that Aguero could have scored that penalty. City had a 1-3-0. And then that 23-ton rocket could have landed on the Etihad Stadium and rendered it all irrelevant. <laughs> like, it could have happened. It could happen, but it ain't going to. Like, it's just, it's not worth wasting emotions over, really. Like, and that's why I said, like, it would, it would have been better just to kind of dodge the podcast this week and everyone just kind of go about their lives and just wait until maybe, I don't know, the next United two games, because you know, I played two games still before City play again. And then just City go to Newcastle with the team that reached the Champions League final to try and beat Newcastle or Brighton or Everton, I think it'll be all right. Bloody hell. I get, I get the frustration about the game, but look, they're going to win the league. It's not done, but they're going to win the league. And look, Guardiola's plan, is it overthinking? Is it countercultural? Whatever. Do we understand it? No. Does he know what he's doing? Yeah, he does. Yeah, Fine. well, I, I don't know what the odds of a rocket hitting the Etihad are, Sam, but uh, having just checked while you were speaking then, uh, Professor Stephen A. Nelson published a paper in uh, 2014 that said uh, the risk of a uh, of global extinction from an asteroid strike is uh, about 1 in 75,000. Um, whether that was, whether that asteroid hits the, the Etihad or not, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. That's not actually... That's that's worrying odds. That's <laughs> that's less than winning the lottery, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot less than winning the well, lottery. Well, a lot more common. A lot more yeah. common than winning the lottery. Yeah, I'm quite worried about it. I might not yeah. sleep tonight. We are. But uh, the rocket broke up over the Pacific, didn't it? So we're all good. We're okay, yeah. Um, I, uh, just bringing it kicking and screaming back round to uh, Chelsea. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, there was something that you tweeted. I think you tweeted it anyway. I, 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 oh, I, God, saw, I saw it, it from I, I saw it from you somewhere. Um, 
but uh, and I think it's a very valid point. The the, the 2019 League Cup final uh, is a good oh, example. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chelsea were beaten 6-0 by City. Uh, the, it was the weekend before at the Etihad. Uh, and then they played out a really cagey 0-0 in that final, going to extra time and ironically City winning a penalty shootout, which is, uh, I think, one of my worst fears for this Champions League final right now. Yeah, there's plenty um, of time to talk about that. Isn't yeah. It? Um, but it, it was ultimately a cagey game. And... Uh, is there any way that Guardiola looked at that setup and thought, not necessarily Chelsea, Chelsea's the coincidence uh, in all of this, but the fact yeah, that yeah, yeah, be- yeah. because the two sure. games were so close to each other that it it made it so much, made that final so much harder to win? Because the teams were, I, I haven't looked at the teams that, that were played, but from memory, they were quite similar. Yeah, now, like I say, the information I got before the game was that that's why I picked the team, didn't want any overconfidence or whatever. I don't know why. I don't know what his, he was kind of basing that on, his kind of historical experiences. But if we were guessing, that it makes sense. Because he talked about that a lot, didn't he? The 6-0. And he talked about it after the final, and he said, look, it's going to be a different game. And in, in some ways, it makes things harder. I think, look, he probably wasn't expecting to win 6-0 on Saturday. And an element of that was the win was so convincing, he was probably telling the team, look, it's not going to be a walk in the park. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if that played a part in it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's I think that's entirely feasible, really. And and again, like that helps that helps make it make a bit more sense, doesn't it? You know, if people are, st- are struggling to get their heads around why losing the game might be better than winning it, which I suppose is arguably what I'm saying, but in a roundabout way, if you were to say, well, just think about how much more difficult the League Cup final was after beating them six nil against like a Sarri team that wasn't really firing, and obviously they had the whole Kepa situation. Just imagine what it would be like if City had a one with their strongest team and Tuchel's players knew what they were doing. You know, that maybe that helps to explain it a bit better. And yeah, maybe that maybe that was in Guardiola's mind when he when he picked the team this way. Yeah, I'm just looking at, at the team. I, there, there was about two or three changes in those in those games, so it was very similar teams that he uh, that he played yeah, in yeah, each yeah. one. Um, so yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, this may be a little bit premature uh, for this week's show, Sam, given that there's a few weeks of the season left. Um, but after that defeat, there was a lot of fans talking about uh, a lot of the changes that they'd make to this squad for, for next season. Um, and one of the names, we've mentioned him already, I was seeing Sterling in that mix for quite for, for the first time in quite a long time. Mm. Is, is there a chance that City move him on this summer? Or is this... Cause, because this is, this is surely just bad form right now, isn't it? Yeah, and I've said before that I think you know he'll turn around his form and he'll be really good again and look like it was only six weeks ago that I was saying you know Mahrez needs to kind of do it more consistently otherwise he he could go or should go that was kind of my opinion rather than what might happen and look he's been great so I certainly don't want to make that mistake again but no I do think with Sterling it's just it's just bad form isn't it and I mean it's strange that while nobody really played particularly brilliantly last season, I put that down to the whole, just the vibe around the team and the whole, you know, wild old machine malfunction or whatever. So it was no surprise that the basically none of the players looked that good last season. It's, it is weird that 
they've, now everything's clicked back in together and everyone looks so good again. He hasn't. Um, and obviously that rail with Pep still, I think, uh, well, as of, what, 10 days ago anyway, just because I haven't had any, any update in the last 10 days, still lingering. So, I mean, that's interesting because, like, if he had three years left on his contract, I'd be like, Let's forget it. Like, come back again. Do the Euros, whatever. Come back. Fresh start. Next season, see how it goes. But, like, two, two, two years left on the contract. He's got no agent. It's really weird. Like, who's... Who's doing the contract talks? What does he want to do? If he does want to leave, like if, it'd be a huge hypothetical there, but like if, how do you do, how do you get a transfer if you've not got an agent? Like his old agent was, well, at least start keeping irons in the fire. That's what agents do. So it's, it's a strange situation for Sterling. Um, and it's like, it's one of those where with these things, this conversation always seems to be accompanied by the hypothetical if they were to receive a good offer. So what would that be? 80 million, 100 million? Then, I mean, could they reinvest that in like Haaland? Because a name we've not mentioned for two or three weeks because yeah. football's been so mad from the Super League to the Champions League run and everything else. Um, then it's like, if, if he did want to go, well, basically, look, the answer to this question is if, if he does want to go, then yeah, because that's what City do. If anyone says they want to leave, they say, okay, well, this is how much you're worth. He bring us this offer and you can go and they'll get to work with... Um, looking at a replacement so that's one easy answer to it if he doesn't then i would say don't you know don't force it yeah uh, but also it'd be difficult to force it anyway because and even if he did want to go i don't know who would be coming up with that money for sterling this summer it's a bit like gabriel jesus in the sense that whenever they thought about selling jesus in the past it was always a kind of well if we get like 90 million but it's like if city are willing to sell jesus it's because he's not playing that well and if he's not playing that well nobody's going to pay the kind of money and if they do want to pay that kind of money, he's obviously playing well. So why would City want to sell him? Yeah. So it's that difficult kind of loop. But um, yeah, the only thing that's interesting about this is they won't want another Sane situation where obviously if he, if he is annoyed if he's to the extent yeah. that he's thinking about going and then decides that he does want to go and then you know he gets the next season and then it's always oh, got one year left on his contract and the transfer talk starts kicking off from you know October onwards kind of thing. So... I mean, to answer the question, if it was up to me in like in an ideal world, he'll just get his form back and stay sign a new contract at City and get back to the the recent form and improve, you know, improve the one on one finishing. Um yeah. but in a more realistic scenario, if at the other end of the spectrum, really, if he does want to go and someone gets an offer, then obviously it makes sense to do that. But um I think it'd be a shame if that were to happen. It would be a very abrupt end. Very strange city career to have had if that happens but i don't think it will i don't i don't i don't think it will we'll have to see if how that about, changes i'll let you know but how about mendy though because like we keep oh, saying man. his t his time may be coming but like how do they because it is how, but how do they do oh. it how do they get rid no, of it i know i know i know i know <laughs> but but like it should be another mangala situation where even if he doesn't go just, just don't i mean look, mangala played a few games in that century season didn't he? he did quite well but like Mendy has a couple of good games or like one good game and then you start getting people going, oh, well, we don't need to buy a left back. If Mendy Stop saying if Mendy plays fucking well because he doesn't. He fucking doesn't. Like, sorry, sorry. Can't I, keep didn't, it I didn't mean to push that, that Mendy button on you. Sorry. I, uh... <laughs> it's, it's so annoying. Like, have you not seen... Like, and how many times have we been having this conversation? Genuinely, I've, I've been saying this for 18 months and I, I might be wrong. Christ, I've not seen any evidence of it. Like, he's really... He's important in the dressing room. I'll give him that. Um... Uh, let's put it this way. If anyone who thinks, oh, maybe it's worth keeping Mendy. All right. Play him in the final then. 
There's, there's your test of how good you think Mendy is. Playing in the Champions League final, so he gets on. See how confident you are when that team sheet comes out and, and Mendy's playing left back. Crack on. Um, yeah, so, uh, so I know that wasn't the question you're asking. The question you're asking is how do they get rid of him? Um, and it's a very good point. It's going to be really difficult. It's going to be really difficult because I don't know what money they'd accept. Um, I don't know. And like, in fairness to him, so there's part of it, I don't know what money they'd accept because I'm not sure what people would pay. His wages, he, he's not signed a new contract, has he? Has he signed a new contract since he joined? He won't have, will he? It would have I been six years. Has, yeah. Five or six years. So he'll be on not mad money, but I can't see Marseille or whatever paying him 120 grand or whatever he's on, 100 grand, even 90. Um, but the other element is maybe they do want to keep him around for the dressing room thing, but then it's just, I don't think that, I don't think that works. You know, last summer when they were looking to bring in a left back, but it depended on them getting rid of one and it being Zinchenko. I always said, even when Angelino hadn't gone out on loan, I always said Zinchenko was the best of the three. And look, I've got plenty of stuff wrong, which I which I admit on podcasts as well, but I always thought Zinchenko was the one and they needed to get rid of the other two. And they still do. Like, Zinchenko, we, uh, Mendy is good in the dressing room, but you need somebody who's actually going to contribute and you need somebody who, when... It comes to playing in the game against you know Chelsea at the weekend or whatever. You've got someone who can actually be relied upon more than Mendy currently is because he can play well occasionally, but it's nowhere near the level required for this team. Um, but yeah, I know. Yeah, he did push a button a bit there, and it's a shame because like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I dislike him, but he's just patently not good enough. And like I always, you always worry about agency and stuff like this, and it's like, but I mean, look, you got to be honest, haven't you? And I defy anyone to tell me otherwise. And I, look, I know it's not really his fault. It's the injury. He's, had two, that, he's yeah. had two knee injuries. Like, of course. So, like, people, you know, people are always like, oh, we've got a 50 million pound fullback on the bench. It's like, yeah, but his price tag is irrelevant if you have two career threatening injuries since. Like, it makes no makes no difference how much he cost. Like, that, yeah. So, I, I know why he's not that reliable anymore. And it's two horrible injuries. I wouldn't wish him on anyone. But that is the case. You've got to play the hand um, you dealt, but, haven't you? That's that's the hand. But yeah, that, where's, that they've got. But, but where's he going to go? I, I I don't know. Um, but they will want to. Like they probably won't. I don't know what they do a Mangala situation. It seems quite ruthless now when you think about it. The way that they wanted to sell a left back in the summer before bringing one in because they didn't want to cut somebody out of the squad. It seems quite ruthless that they kind of did that with Mangala in hindsight. But yeah, difficult with Mendy. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he'd end up. It'd probably just. I'm sure they just look for a loan move. Basically, yeah. City pay most of the wages. You crack on, they'll buy a left back and, and try and rebuild the squad for next next season. But I'm not sure I'm not sure they'll be spending big money on a left back. Again, it'll be another one to play back in August when we're talking <laughs> shit. But I'm I'm not I'm I'm not sure they want to pay big money for a left back this summer. Well, let's uh, let's finish on this hypothetical question uh, because it kind of nicely uh, ties up everything, Sam. Uh, it's from EJ David on Twitter who said, I wanted to ask Sam, which player did City nearly sign or heavily scout but didn't get? Does Sam think that would have been the best suited to the team? We're talking Pep era only, so sorry, Kakar fans. It's a blast from the past there. Uh, well, okay. There's an obvious answer, so I'll leave that to the end. A couple of roundabout points. Whenever, you know, people said City have dodged bullets with certain signings. I think Jorginho would have been really good at City. And we're kind of seeing now, recently, at Chelsea, that he's kind of finding his feet eventually. I think he'd have been really good at City, especially if he'd have signed in that 2018 summer. Because poor old Rodri had all those problems last year when everyone was just running past him. And he was like, I didn't sign up for this. But Jorginho would have, si- would have signed a year before that when the team was more solid. I think he'd have been really good. 
I do think Alexis Sanchez would have been good for City as well. Um, that's a harder point to make, given how disastrously it went at United. But I think, basically, look, he, he signed for a shambles of a United team, didn't he, with Mourinho. I think I was still Mourinho at that point. Um, yeah, it was. So it'd have been much better off at City. But like, I'm not arguing he would have been the best. In terms of others, people were kind of reviled when the idea of Johnny Evans was floated. It'd have been a good signing because he's been a good signing for Leicester. But, I mean, if you look at the centre-back City you've got now, they're it's doing hard. all right, aren't they? Yeah. You're not you're not losing any sleep over it. You know, actually, I was gonna say there's an easy answer, but um Van Dyke is a very obvious one. Not just because because look, with Laporte, my argument was always that if Van Dyke was a ten out of ten, like, then Laporte is like a nine point five out of ten. And it's not made that much difference to City not getting Van Dyke. But if they'd have stopped Liverpool getting him, they wouldn't have had to worry about Liverpool winning the title or the Champions League. So there's there's a bit of what if there. Um, but the obvious one is Mbappe. They tried to sign him twice. They tried to sign him when I'd never heard of him. I think it was Pep's first season well, going he, in. They, he tore, they offered he tore like 45 City apart. million euros. He tore City apart in that uh, in Pep's first season, didn't he, for Monaco? Yeah, but they, they tried to sign him like six or seven months. But it was like deadline day of the summer transfer window going into Pep's first season. And they'd offered like 45 million euros or something. That was the report in France. And then... Uh, yeah, summer summer afterwards, once he did do that to City, when he when he'd broken through at Monaco, the the year that he went to PSG, um, they um, City were heavily inquiring. Then you know they'd, I've talked about this before, um, but yeah, I, I know they'd kind of mad. Had, I know for like more than more so than normal when I talk about transfer stuff. I know like basically horse's mouth that they'd they'd made contact with Monaco about making an offer for Mbappe there. So that's the hands down one. Like can God. you can you imagine? There's you an imagine? alternate universe somewhere where Kylian Mbappe signed for City in twenty sixteen and the the Premier League was just a joke league for years because of <laughs> Yeah. Well isn't that the maddest thing? And it's the same thing about how I've said they need a striker all year and a left back particularly how much I was talking about a left back months ago. Like that yeah, that um alternative universe with Mbappe Mbappe plays for City. Like how much more would they have won? I mean, you could maybe argue that they might have won the Champions League, but they've already it, pretty much won everything anyway, haven't they? <laughs> it's not a convincing. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the the season that season when he went to PSG, I think was that the no, it wasn't. But they obviously they won hundred the league with hundred points and the League Cup. Then they did a domestic treble anyway. Like the the, the, whole, the whole Champions League's been a whole big team journey. And look, maybe if they had Mbappe, they would have finished a few more chances and not had the issues. You could maybe argue that. But now they're in the final anyway. Like it's mad to think that. Oh yeah, what would they have been like if they signed Mbappe? Like the interesting one. Oh hang on, what, I've not even said Messi. <laughs> like, so I think I think Mbappe would have been better for like the ten fifteen year. I even with Messi, they had a, they had a nibble when Pep was still here. I think I can't remember what year it was. If it was 2016, 17, something like that, it would have been when Pep was here. So Messi three or four years ago, that would have been better than Mbappe. But again, like, uh, never mind that, because that would have been, I don't know, probably win the Champions League with Messi. It's, I think it's easier to make that leap when it's Messi. But um, imagine they'd signed him last summer, after all. What would have happened? Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, would the season have gone how it has? Like, would, would they have been immediately better? Would, you know, would the changes have come in December as they did? Would they have won the league in a different way? I don't know. The, the, the mad thing is, if he'd have signed, uh, having City looked quite poor last season and started the season quite poorly, and then they'd gone on to do what they've done this season, people would have said it was just because it's Messi, and look what they've done now without him. Yeah. It's a funny old game. 
It is. And uh, when you think about the infinite realities as well, there's, uh, there's a reality out there where a meteorite did hit the Etihad. So uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's <laughs> the note we're going to finish on. Yeah. Uh, that's the end for this week's uh, Why Always Us. I'm David Mooney. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, cheers. I hope you stuck with us. <laughs> uh, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for £3.99 a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.